You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? We are back with episode 97. Episode 97. So this should be a kind of an interesting podcast. A couple drinks in where me and Tyler just got a done shooting pool over at Rowdy's, and that was a pretty good time over there in the spring side of Houston. It's funny because I was telling you when we were playing pool that um, you've been playing pool longer than me, and right about four drinks is kind of that break-even point. When you're four drinks in, that's when the game begins. Yeah, like I've always, I've always thought at the poker table, like, you know, these people who drink and just end up going crazy. Uh, like, I'm not good enough pool or apparently poker whatsoever to have, like, just multiple drinks. Both my games slide at that point. I've always wanted to be one of those people that got better as time got on. <laughs> well, you know what's weird is, like, everyone always talks about, and I've always preached this, that you shouldn't drink while you play, right? You're playing for profit. It's like a side job. You shouldn't drink while you play. Fair. But <laughs> there's always a but. Um I do feel like um, we've played at some private games where drinks have been going. I do feel like I play so mu- I'm able to play so much tighter when drinking. Have you ever noticed that? Like for Ooh. me, I just kind of sit there and relax. I don't have any. Um, I don't want to say anxiety, but uh, I don't have that itch to really get in there and mix it up. You know, I can kind of just sit there, relax, enjoy my drink, play on my phone, and really, really just knit it up. Oh, me and you are the complete opposite. When I drink, I mean, there's all kinds of not give a shits going on. Like, I can play poker now and drink and do pretty decent, but I remember before, like, it would just be like a shit show. Like, I mean, there's all kinds of not caring about calls, not care- playing way loose of preflop. So I'm actually the absolute opposite. But I have gotten better with time. Like, now my, my preflop game is so kind of... Like, the more I drink, the more static it becomes. I don't really do as much out-of-the-box stuff. So, you know, when you're doing just a lot of GTO stuff, you're just doing it by the by the book, basically. I don't have to worry about it as much. So it's gotten a lot better than it used to be. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just thought that was kind of interesting whenever we talk about it, just because I've noticed that. Because here's something that people don't talk about that often, though. Like, whenever you play in a private game or a game where it's all the kind of the same people and it's like a party atmosphere. You don't have to, but it's, I don't want to say people do notice that if everyone's drinking, have a good time and you're the only one not drinking can, I don't want to say put you in a bad light, but you might not get that invite again. Well, I will think like our, our Thursday game, I think it's, I wouldn't say you have to drink by any means. I don't think anybody cares that much. But I feel like it helps if you are. I mean, if it's kind of a enjoyable kind of social party atmosphere and you're not drinking, then you better be pretty sociable to kind of counteract it. No, I agree. I This is something that Jonathan Little um, always said like about these type of games is even if you're crushing the game, people will invite you back if you're a joy to play with, if you're really enjoyable at the table. So that means don't just sit there with your headphones on, glasses on, hoodie on. You know, really, you know, inter- interact with people, which <laughs> seems weird to have to say. I will say this is kind of like something I think is kind of up and down with me. 
I think I am usually enjoyable to play with, but I go through stints where I'm not as much. Where I just, I know, like, uh, when I go through, like, I'll go through months where I just go through card deadness. And I'm just looking for ways to just kind of distract myself to get through it. Uh, when I'm really into the game, I think I'm enjoyable. But I think there are times I just branch out and do my own thing. And it's something I need to work on in my game. All right. Well, let me correct everything you just said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say you're definitely someone who's very enjoyable to play with until someone says something dumb. <laughs> And then you cannot resist, you know, I don't want to say arguing, but letting them know your side. Oh, 100%. Well, yeah, I will say if I don't know. I mean, (laughs) me and you deal with such with a lot of stupidity on a lot of time basis that when people when people do that, well, especially like when I'm like, I know it's on the dealer to correct it, but I know they don't want to because it's not they don't want to affect their tips when they have to correct stupidity, I will kind of jump in here and there. And like I say, I think it's just who I am. It's not even something I'm really trying to fix anymore. <laughs> oh, no. It doesn't seem like you're trying to fix it. I was just saying. <laughs> I don't know if anything, you're, Tyler's like, well, you're going head first into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, like, I feel like you're leaning all the way in. But, um, no, I would say you're definitely pretty enjoyable. Me, I don't really make much of an effort in most games. Normally, I'll just sit there quietly. Um, and just kind of do my own thing. But I'm also not playing in private games where that is needed. Yeah, you're you can be sociable, but a lot of times you're not. I will say that. So it's a and there's a reason why too, which is kind of always. I'm sure we've talked about it because we're almost a hundred episodes deep. So great chance we've talked about this. But like I used to tell you, and I go to the same place all the time. Like back when I was going to 88 every day, and whatever room. I almost don't want to build that rapport with people because I know sometimes people will soft play their quote unquote friends. And I'm, I'll be friendly with people as long as they don't want to soft play. Like I, I say, definitely, you know, cutthroat, try to take all my money. I do not want you to check the nuts back to me or just call with the nuts or something because I'm not going to do the same service to you or I don't want to have that decision Whenever, like, I know you've soft played me before and all that. I don't, I don't like that dynamic. So I have, I had friends at 88, but we played so hard against each other every time. And that I don't mind. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, like, the, the whole, like, you're friendly with somebody and you've soft played them before is, it's come back to help me so many times. Uh, I don't typically do it that much. I, I can notice uh, two times where it has really uh, it has really affected my game. There was one time in New Orleans, me and this lawyer struck up a pretty good conversation, and we were just kind of chilling out. And I flopped trips, and we were going back, and he's like, and then we like uh, going back and forth, and I was like, I re-raised him. He called, and he's like, Hey, you know what? Just don't re-raise. He's like, Don't worry about. It. And like, I was like, Okay. Well, he had trips with the ace kicker. I had trips with the queen kicker. Uh, there was another time just recently with one of my uh, friends at, whatchamacallit, at uh, the private game. And, you know, it was one of those that I flopped really I flopped really good and turned really good, and I did bet. And then on the river, I did bet, but I was like, it was like a $40 bet. We were kind of shorthanded. I didn't want the game to break. And I'm like, just don't call. And he's like, 
He's like, really? He's like, I got a decent hand. I was like, just don't call. And he folds, and I show him that I, I think I turned the nuts. Uh, but it was kind of a short stack game. I didn't want the game to break and all that. Uh, and then later, he does the same thing. For a game, a hand that I would have gotten stacked on for almost, I could have easily gotten stacked. Uh, and I don't typically soft play. I'm going to sit there and bet pretty hard. But depending on kind of the atmosphere of the game, I will here and there just not like go for every dollar type deal. But it's also different when you're playing at the same place every day like I was. That's a fair point. Because, I mean, like at that point, you were making a lot of money and it was a ton of profit and you're playing with the same people every day. So, like what I'm talking about are one-off sessions, whereas you're talking more of like a overall point. Right. Well, you know, like every situation is different, obviously, right? Whenever you're in a private game, that might be something that's needed, right? That's also like the being social, being a joy to be with. That kind of plays into that. But whenever you're playing at one of these local rooms where you're playing with the same general people, it's just a little different. It just I've, I just kind of think that that's um, kind of just kind of always interesting. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm, I'm definitely almost never looking to soft play. Look, I'm going to a degree. I'm going to three bet just the same because one is. It's kind of unfair to that person if I don't. I mean, like, if I'm just calling with a uh, their bet with a call and I have pocket queens or something, I mean, that's almost more dangerous than me three-betting to a degree. Okay, that's how you get both of you stacked. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it's a, uh, like, the vast majority of the time, like 99% of the time, I play my hand just as it is. <laughs> I uh, do have one, though, situation where I soft play, which you probably haven't heard this. Was that? Um, so Shelton and I were at the free roll, right? At mm-hmm. Paramount. And I bust out of the tournament as per usual and <laughs> very early. So Shelton is still playing. I go to play cash and sit down and just go on a tear. I mean, I'm up $800 in the first hour, hour and a half. That'll cover that I free mean, roll. <laughs> in a 1-2 game. So, I mean, it's just every hand is going my way, getting all the value. Just things are going great, right? Right. Somebody three bets me in the one one two game, and Shelton was already you know done. He's um, leaving the free roll, so we we're about to leave. Mm-hmm. I told him it's my last hand, and I get three bet. I have pocket kings. You get three bet. You have pocket kings. So you know they three bet to like sixty dollars or whatever, and I just go all in, turn my cards face up. I said you can decide what you want to do. Oh wow! This is like my pocket aces back in the day. I can, I'm shocked that you did this. Yeah, well, like I said, I was already up at that. And well, as you know, if I won that three, but eight hundred and fifty dollars if they fold. But I was like, you know, this is what I have. This is my last hand. I'm leaving no matter what. You can call. You don't have to. You know. I mean, I will say, like, if I'm gonna do something like this, it is gonna be on the last hand. Like, it's always a weird dynamic when. Especially if you didn't announce that it was your last hand before this hand, and then you're all of a sudden you're gonna win this gigantic pot. Well, it wasn't. It was kind of like Shelton came up. I was like, "Hey, I'm out," and I was like, "Oh, well, I'm out, guys," because we rode together. Right. But I was already kind of the hand that was already in starting. Mm-hmm. You know, I had already raised, then got three bet after I said it. I kind of see your point here. I, I, I like. I definitely think you have a pretty solid point here to do what you did because this is just a. 
a very specific situation where your your ride's leaving. Well, I if, was driving, but yeah. Well, yeah, but <laughs> if that person's you know ready to go, and especially especially someone who is you're trying to kind of like introduce into poker, but hasn't really. You don't want them just waiting two hours and that be their first poker experience. Uh, no, I definitely think you have a, a solid point of doing this. I, I don't. I don't mind this at all. Yeah, the person folded. So I mean, yeah, whatever. I think that was. I think, like I say, I mean, it's one of those that I'm not certain I do in that certain in that spot, but I will say I don't blame you at all. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely one of those ones where I'm like, I'm just going to take this $800 win and hit the road. Call. It, I mean, solid point. So, that's uh, well, guess, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you played some pretty interesting sessions. You have one, right? I don't even know any of the hands or what happened or anything. So, so me and you uh, uh, kind of ended up with a, at the last podcast with Texas, the, uh, God almighty, talking about the Texas Card House tournament on Thursday. It was a $50,000 guaranteed. Me and you are not really tournament players, although I've had been having a great run on tournaments. Uh, and we never, it was a $50,000 one day event on, on Thursday. Very seldom do we get to do guarantees that big. So I ended up jumping on it, uh, end up going there. And first, let me say finding it was such a pain because it, they didn't have it in like the block letters on the, in the. It's in a... Uh, like on the sign, like in the shopping... Not shopping center, but... Yeah, in a shopping center. That's what I'm it looking was? for. Okay. I don't know why I can't, I'm having a trouble finding this word here. <laughs> it's because we were out partying. <laughs> five, five drinks in. You can't think of the word shopping center. Uh, so I go there. It's like a little bitty little flyer that's in the front of there. So I have a trouble finding it. But once... Which I'm sure, though, they're going to fix. I mean, obviously, this is, you know, when they're opening, I'm sure they're going to have a real sign here in a little bit. Oh, well, once they have a real sign, it'll be great. Yeah, I think this will end up being solved within months. I mean, maybe even weeks. Yeah, if if you turn in there, look for Sun Ski and Sports and H&R Block, and even if you can't find it, you're in the right spot. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> don't look for Texas Card House. Uh, and I was going in there, and I was like, well, God dang, this is... One of the things I did not like was it was valet parking, which I'm kind of not a fan of. Like mandatory valet parking? I think so. It I mean, seemed what like it. if you just park and walk in? I didn't see any spots. I will say that. It seemed like valet parking. Uh, so I go in there, but and once I get in there, I was shocked at how nice it was. Uh, it's really, you can tell Texas Card House really maintained their brand. Uh, it still had that kind of same atmosphere. It was super nice. The bar was super nice. The uh, the tables were great. The staff was super professional, as always. Again, I always say Texas Card House is the best-run place in Houston. And this new one in Houston, it's right there on Westheimer. In a spot where I'm not certain I would have chosen, because... There's just so many right there, like in that little, like in that little area of Houston on Westheimer and Richmond. You now have Prime, you now have Empire, you now have Legends, you now have Elite Social. Uh, you have that new one that just opened up River Room, and now you have Texas Card House. But if I put bets on a on one to survive, I definitely think Texas Card House would be right up there. I mean, that's what I was gonna say. I'm sure they joined there. To compete. They didn't join there to try to find an empty spot. 
you know, oh, so yeah. I'm sure they're well aware of those rooms. I'm sure they're there to, you know, really kind of compete with all those businesses. 100%. And they did a great job. Which we always say, whenever these rooms are competing like that, the winners are always the players. Oh, 100%. The competition is absolutely amazing for the players. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. The River Room seems to be like a super nice place, but I have not seen a lot of action there going. Uh, Texas Card House is super nice. And like I say, it's going to be a very interesting thing. But they were, like I say, as always, super professional. Everything was super nice. I go in there and register. This $50,000 guaranteed tournament is just booming. There's obviously a ton of players. We go in there and... I mean, I constantly say tournaments are not a great place for value. You really need to stick to cash games. The problem being is tournaments, even if they are higher ranked than cash games, are the tournaments are just... The players are just insane. Which is weird because this is... I don't want to say... I mean, this is far from a free roll. This is a $300 buy-in. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention too. Like $300 buy-in. I also do the, the Friday uh, $15,000 guarantee, which... Basically a two hundred and forty dollar buy in, uh, and you just see stuff that you would. I won't say you never see in a cash game, but you see it more often in a tournament. So, one of the hands I end up with is pocket fours. This is how good this tournament is. People wanted to straddle in this tournament. <laughs> they were straddling, oh, like blind raising. A straddle doesn't exist in a tournament, which they tried to get me to do, and I'm like, well. No, I mean, I'm not going to play a 75-blind tournament when everybody's playing, when all the other tables are playing a 250-blind tournament. But the fact that the table is wanting to do this is still amazing. 4-4, uh, four, four, I raised 2400 over a blind raise. The flop is 10-7-2. He checks. I, with pocket fours, bet. Fifteen hundred, right? Standard like C bet down bet situation, I would say. Exactly, a standard C bet down bet. He calls. The turn is a four. Well, well, well. Yeah, turning <laughs> me a sure, set. I'm sure you're loving this. Uh, he checks. I bet five thousand, and he calls. The river's ace. He checks, and then I bet ten thousand, trying to definitely go for value here. I was thinking maybe a little bit more on that ace that maybe he's not folding if he hits that ace would be my kind of immediate thought. Well, me being the preflop raiser, I think it hits my range way more than his. True, but I also think he's going to fold a lot of the time when that ace comes. So I'm thinking he's only going to call with pretty good hands. That's a good read because he folds showing a seven and says, I hit the ace. Yeah, So, but that's why I like sizing up there just because you have such a strong hand that if he happens to have something good there he's going to be calling most likely i mean you're really only looking like ace 10 ace 7 maybe oh no for sure but yeah i think he folds everything else which is why i do that that's fair yeah which i mean he did he had he showed a seven so i mean it's a uh <laughs> what if he would have showed a seven? <laughs> oh god it's uh say your soul gone so would have been my <laughs> yeah 100 percent uh, I end up with Queen Nine of Clubs. We're still very early in the tournament. Uh, a tight player raises to twelve hundred. I call with Queen Nine of Clubs. I'm assuming you're in the big blind. Uh, no, I was not. <laughs> I was like, it says under the gun here in my notes. Yeah, I'm, uh, 
Uh, the type player is a good Euro player. Uh, call with queen, nine of clubs, and also the big blind calls. The flop is ace, queen, seven with one club, and I have queen, nine of clubs. Uh, the preflop raiser bets 1,000. With me having middle pair and a backdoor flush draw, this is a standard call. Yeah, loving the call. Okay. Uh, other player folds. The turn is a queen giving me trips. Uh, player bets 2,700. I just make the call. Yeah, that's kind of, I was like, would hate to, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving how you're playing this one. Yeah, it's a, I mean, I think when the whenever the middle card turn, uh, pairs, I think it's, if you raise here, it seems like your hand is so face up. Yeah, but it's so tempting. It is very tempting. <laughs> uh, River four, he checks. I bet five thousand, which is a kind of a tiny bet into the spot. Uh, he folds. Oh well, I mean, talk about. <laughs> it seems to not matter what size you bet. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, I think it became very apparent what I had, but I was going for anything. So the beginning of the tournament is just going splendidly. I mean, the players at my table are just losing their mind. I saw one player call probably about a hundred big blind call with ten high, and he was good, right? No, he he lost. <laughs> so it was. I mean, it is a great table. I'm just just beyond elated to be at this table. Uh, the blinds are at four and eight hundred at this point. I raised 2,400 with queen, jack of spades. Big blind calls. The flop is king, 10, 9 with two spades. Okay, and what do you have? So it's king, 10, Queen, nine. jack of spades. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I flopped the absolute stone cold nuts with the, flush, with the second nut flush draw. I mean, the dream flop. Player leads for 2,700. I just call. Do you like the call or the you want to raise here? How many people behind? I think it's just heads up. Oh, I think I like the call because, I mean, you also blocked the flush draw. And, I mean, what are we worried about here? What are we worried about turning? I don't think much, right? 100% was definitely my thought. Yeah, so this is, again, tempting to raise. Like the call, though. So I call on the plan of raising almost every turn bet was my thought. The turn is a 10, and he bets 6,000. So the flop is now king, 10, 9, 10. Uh, with the board pairing, 9, 10 being a boat, king, 10 being a boat, I just make the call. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what do you do whenever you raise and he re-raises? That was kind uh, of my thought. This is such a weird turn card. I mean... I don't know, though. I mean, we just monsters under the bed here. Like, I mean, we're talking like, what if he does this? I mean, I don't know. Um, how deep are we here? How many? Uh, we are pretty deep. This is still very early in the tournament. I was 40,000 to begin the hand. I mean, I guess I'm just calling to probably. Like, I guess a board pair is literally the only thing we're worried about. Or one of your cards pairing, making a four-liner to a straight. But... I don't know. It's This is kind of a close one for me, I think. This one was pretty close. I just figure... Because I feel like we're kind of towing the line on overplaying this hand with a raise. That was kind of my thought. This gets really weird when the river's a 10. I mean, 
This is so lame. I mean, one hundred percent. So the flop. So I, the flop is king ten nine with two spades. I have queen jack of spades. I flop the nuts with the back door with no the not the the front door second nut flush draw, and a straight flush draw. Uh, the turn is a ten that pairs the board. Player bet six thousand. I decide to just call. The river is a ten. He checks. I think about turning my straight into a bluff here. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you should, but... But I check it. He says he has a boat. I turn over my hand in frustration. He has ace-eight, which is not a boat, and flips it over. He says he misread his hand, which I did believe. He seemed to be like a a pretty... uh, Kind of a novice player, kind of. So I don't know. It's a uh, but I end up taking it with a straight. After really, this is a big uh, big lesson just to always show you to always to show down your hand because if I muck my hand and he shows over ace eight, this becomes a very. I mean, he gets this pot on a basically a pretty bad angle. Yeah, I don't know. This sounds angly to me. Like if I'm playing this in a regular card room, I mean. This definitely feels, I mean, we've definitely covered an angle of this exact situation. Obviously, that situation was a very clear angle. This one seems like there's some gray area to where it might not have been an angle. But like you said, that's always the, just shows the importance of always tabling your hand. Yeah, I mean, the way he played it, and I didn't see him do anything that made me think that he was that type of player the rest of the game. I, I'm going to tend to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, it definitely seemed like a weird situation and a good one where I just happened to have turned my hand up. But it was definitely, definitely could have been an angle. If he gave me any other op, any other reasons to think of it, I would have definitely say it was. Uh, so it gets in the tournament. I'm kind of like, it's kind of ticking down. There was like 260 entries. It's getting closer and closer. The blinds are 600, 1200. A player raises to 3,600. I call with King 10 of Diamonds. Uh, Small and big blind call. And the flop is Jack 3-6. It checks around. Two diamonds or one diamond or none? I don't have anything listed, so I'm assuming either one or no diamonds. (laughs) I'm assuming it doesn't play a role if it's not listed. Yeah. The turn is a king. Preflop raiser bets five thousand. I call. Uh, so the flop is jack three six. The turn is a king. The uh, it's heads up to the river. The river's a nine. Preflop raiser bets ten thousand. Just wait. You have king ten or king nine? I have king ten. Oh, I just like a call. Nice standard call here, right? I thought I, this was pretty much a snap call for me. I call and I'm good. I didn't know if you were going to think that maybe this could you should think about folding here. but Oh, no, I'm not folding. I'm thinking about raising. No, I'm kidding. But, oh, God. <laughs> uh, no, I think this is, I mean, to me, it seems very standard call. I mean, he was giving me really good odds for top pair. I mean, oh. not great kicker, but decent kicker. When you're giving me crazy odds, especially in a, in a room that's, I'm getting a lot of weird stuff going on, I'm just going to kind of play my odds and call it. I'm assuming you were good and he had a jack. I don't know what the hell he had. He, I showed the king 10 and he bucks. <laughs> no, mom. And so. Which is always weird because one of the things that, like, I'm not saying this particular guy, but just you do see in novice players, 
when they bluff, they just give you way too good of odds. Like, you're going to call that with so many things, such a small bet, that if you're going to bluff, you need to bet way bigger. Oh, 100%. Like I say, I think tournaments really, like, cater to, like, wreck-heavy players. And, I mean, you saw that a lot. Like, there's a bluff. It just did not make a lot of sense. Well, you see that sometimes in cash games, too, which I always kind of, you know, I don't want to say take mental note when playing. But, um, I mean, because, like, we've talked about some situations where it makes sense to make a small bet on the river as a bluff. But, you know, I would say 90% of the time, I mean, you don't want to give someone great odds to call with ace high sometimes. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. It's a, uh, you see, like, a lot of bluffs that don't make a lot of sense where, like I say, it's there are smaller bets. Because, I mean, the smaller the bet, the less you have to be right. So you're just calling that way that much more often. So, uh, so we, we go down. It gets to the kind of the bubble. Gets closer and closer, and I'm pretty short stacked. So ends up eventually, finally, the bubble burst at like about 35 players. End up cashing, uh, doing somewhat decently, but never a big chip, never a big chip stack. You know how I am. I'm like, it's either win or nothing. I'm gonna be shoving a lot, and which I was. I ran into. I think an ace king into king queen, and he hit a, hit a queen, so that was tough. Uh, I then ended up not going out, but the final hand was ace ten suited. I jam it all in, get called by pocket eights, turn an ace, and he rivers a straight. And then at that point, it was just floating around, but end up cashing twentieth uh, place for seven hundred and sixty dollars. So I mean, um, you're taking that every day of the week. I mean. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, when you, it's like the turn, like whenever we see the vloggers talk about the tournaments, like even when you cash, it's kind of a sad thing because you're like, I'm twenty places away from sixteen thousand dollars, but like you say, you're still taking it. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't say that's the reason why I don't like tournaments, but that is definitely one of the drawbacks. Where if it's not first, it's always kind of like, what if, what could have been situation. Yeah, that's the bad thing about tournaments. The good thing is the excitement. I would like, say, like you always say, the finality of it. Yeah, I like the finality of it, and I like the excitement where you're just having to shove it in, and like there's a first place and all of that. It just it seems like a more almost like competitive sports environment versus cash games, which is just more grindy, but. Obviously, the cash games, you just have way more wins and way more good sessions, right? I mean, you better. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You better be cashing over 20% or it's a sad day for you. <laughs> yeah. say, <laughs> I don't even know how recreational you'd have to be to only be cashing 20% of your cash games. <laughs> oh, well, you asked me that on about November last year, and I would have let you know. <laughs> it's a... Uh, so that was a. It was a really good experience. I think Texas Card House is gonna. It most rooms I'm just saying are not doing that great around that area of Houston because it's so competitive, but Texas Card House is gonna be there to compete. So I think they will have a very uh, a good uh, adds to the poker rooms that are going on down there. Definitely one I want to go check out. So it's a. There's just so many, so many good options down there. Uh, so you didn't play at all this week, did you, Tyler? Nope, had a jam-packed schedule, so 
man. Uh, I only played one other other uh, session. Uh, it I did have some interesting hands. I know probably the cash games actually cash game hands do a little bit better for the podcast. They're just a little bit more interesting than the tournament hands for the most part. Uh, this one was really interesting. I have Ace King. The, there's a we're playing. I'm playing one three. I'm, I have Ace King. The small small blind is straddled to six. I'm in early positions. I make it twenty. A uh, loose player makes it 50. Uh, comes back around to me. What are you doing? I mean, you said that th- this was straddled to six? Yeah. One, I'm opening bigger than 20, but um, I'm raising. I mean, 100% I'm raising. I probably make it like. Let's do 175. I make it 135. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not that far off. So it's a. Uh, so. I make it 135, the player calls, and I'm 420 effective. I should wait, let wait, you know. Wait, 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 He made it 50 minute 135? Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't that seem small? I mean, it's a four bet. Should be small, right? Your range is super, super tight here. Yeah, I guess you're, uh, you're right. What did I say, 175, 135? Yeah, I don't know. I think I make it... Yeah, I don't know. It just seems so small, I guess, with the straddle pop. and I don't know. I think it would have been a little bit bigger, but... You're probably right. Uh, the player calls. The flop is Jack seven seven. I bet ninety. Stand. I, I like this. Okay. Yeah. It's very standard. He calls. The turn is an ace. I mean, at this point, obviously, I go all in. I mean, I do not have that much behind. So, uh, like I say, I started out with four twenty. So there's, I probably have like a hundred and fifty behind. So I go. I turn an ace. I go all in. He folds. So I mean, later, great result. Later, someone else was asking about the hand at the table, and I thought I got lucky hitting that ace. Apparently, he had queen ten of diamonds, so I was actually ahead the entire way. Isn't that weird how that can be? Yeah, I mean it's very. You know how tilted you would have been if you would have turned a king. <laughs> Well, not really. I oh, mean, no, he would have just turned or, a straight draw. Or no, sorry. If he would have hit it straight. And then he wouldn't he have a gutter. What did he have? He had queen 10. It was jack 7-7 seven, seven on the flop. Right. Oh, turned an ace. So I was saying, I guess if he would have rivered a king. Oh, I mean, psh, yeah, it would I, definitely be tilted if he goes runner <laughs> under straight. Yeah, sorry. I might have said turn. I meant if he would have rivered the king. So, yeah. it's a uh, So that was a very interesting hand. I mean... Very interesting to see what would happen if the ace did not turn, because that puts me in a very weird spot. I mean, this is like another one that we talked about last week where um, you could just lose just based on position. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, once I, it's a four bet pot. Once I, if I, I think that's for the most part standard check that turn. That's what I was thinking. If you, if it's a deuce of clubs there. Yeah. It's a, once he bets, I mean, am I just calling with ace? I mean, I'm getting amazing odds. But, I mean, are you making that call with ace high there? Depends. I mean, it's it's very dependent. I mean, <laughs> mostly, mostly I'm just giving my credit for a crazy call because I don't think I actually do. Uh, so, that's I'm in a double board bomb pod. I know these don't convert well to a podcast audience, uh, but it is kind of an interesting hand. I am on the button. It checks to me. Uh... I hit trip sixes with an ace kicker on the turn. It's 
I had a jack-high flush draw on the other board. It checks all the way to me on the button again. I'm like, well, with it checking to me and everybody playing this super weak, I go ahead and pot this. Hoo-wee. Hoo-wee. Wow. So one person says I'm just... The same guy who I just played the ace-king hand against says I'm just trying to steal the pot and calls. I river the flush on the bottom board. Loose in that guy, that same guy checks to me. I pop for 90. He tanks. He says, You think, I think you have a six. I'm like, You're, I tell him, You're right. I flip over the six and show him. And he, and then he ends up tank calling, and I scoop. And when I, I should also show the jack high flush. He had two pair. Well played. That was well played. And so it's a, uh, that was kind of an interesting hand. Like I say, same guy. Very, very interesting hand. This is by far the most interesting hand. Jack-10 of hearts in the big blind. It limps to me, and I make it 25. Oh, nice. I like this. Yeah, there were a lot of limps in there, so I made it actually 25 on top, actually, I believe. Uh, Two call with that same loose player calling. Flop is ace-7-jack. With two diamonds. But you have hearts, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, check, check, check. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Check the loose player donks 45 into me. I make the call. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I have, you know, I have a middle pair. I think it's too weak to fold. It's a, uh, a pot-sized bet. Uh, I mean, a ha- about a half pot-sized bet. So... I turn a 10 for two pair. I check in flow. The player jams for $600 effective. Mm. So he overbets the pot by probably about four times. And I turn two pair. Mm. (laughs) A tough spot against a kind of wild player too. I think I'm folding here a lot of the time. I mean, this could be, he could have just drilled a gutter for a broad. Well, actually, I guess, yeah, could have drilled the straight there. Um, don't think he's playing a strip flush draw like this. You also kind of have, like, the worst two pair, right? Like, there's also the ace. You said it was ace-jack? Ace-jack. So, when I was going through this, I I was very, like, I never, I did not think ace-jack was a possibility because I was in the big blind it was limp to me. So I'm like a loose player has to check ace. It has to limp ace jack here. Uh, or I'm more like ace ten. I mean, but yeah, it's a uh, ace ten. He has to limp. Uh, I figure eight nine off suit is a possibility for a straight. Maybe I don't know that he's donking that into me. Ace seven off suit. I go. I tank for about two minutes on this hand. I end up folding. Yeah, I think I don't think I would have tanked for. I mean, I'd just be snap folding. So, really, on a on this good of a turn, two pair. I mean, for four x pot, yeah. Uh, and he shows a seven for a flop two pair. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I don't want to say easy fold, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, mean, it was one of those. I didn't think a lot of hands made sense, but I mean, how often are players just doing this with nothing? So, yeah, I mean, it was 
Because I told him, I was like, it's either, I mean, the only thing I'm folding to is 8-9 off or a 7 off. I mean, but he did show a 7 off. So I was like, uh, I mean, I did not think it was an easy fold because of the way this player played. But like I say, I mean, even crazy players usually have some reasoning behind it. And well, I mean, if he would have played the hand, I don't want to say correctly, but a little bit calmer, he easily stacks you here, I think. Oh, 100%. Because I, 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 I folded Jack 10 face up. Yeah. And uh, and then he shows A7. And he's like, well, I should have just made it 200. And he was going over the PLO table. It was last hand. He's like, that's why I did that. But he's like, he's like I should have just made it 200. I'm like, I'm 100% calling. Oh, I mean, he makes it 200. You're getting stacked this hand. Yeah, so this is I'm very lucky that this player played it this way and actually allowed me to get away from it. So on this, I end up moving tables, and nothing crazy happens. I end up uh, raising a lot of really good preflop hands, missing c-betting, getting called, and having to give up. Uh, and I kind of dwindle my, tat, my stack down a lot. I end up cashing out for like a $130 profit once I kind of came down quite a bit. But you also this wasn't that long of a session either, right? It was only like a three-hour session. I mean, actually less than that because it says 85 an hour, 81 an hour. So probably like two and a half hour session. I mean, you take, I mean, taking that every day of the week, even though it's always kind of sad to get dwindled down. But I mean, what's it called? It's hard to complain about winning, take it from someone who loses or someone who lost that day, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of an emotional thing, and you should, I try not to use this in poker, but one of the things that I do know my weaknesses is I get real tilted when I'm way up, and I come back, and I have a losing session. So once I was way up, quite a, not way up, but I was up quite a bit and came back down, I'm like, well, let me just take the profit. Were you ever up a buy-in? Yeah, I was up over to buy-in. Oh, wow, okay. I mean, yeah, too, that could be annoying. Mm. Actually, I bought in for four hundred, so I was up about a buy-in. I mean, yeah, that'll happen sometimes. You got to see some flops and just lose. I mean, yeah, it was one of those. That, like, I don't think anything was badly misplayed. It was just, it was kind of the variance kind of settle, settling in. But let's say I was, I was like, well, you know, I've been here about three hours. I can kind of just call this a good, a good day. And you know, I always look at it as an average. If I went there every single day and made, you know, this much money, would I be happy? And I was and called it good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess is that all your sessions? Because if not, we're going to wrap this thing up right here. That's it. All right. On that note, this concludes the Texwoker podcast. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week. Oh,